Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. If you vote for me, all of your wildest dreams will come true. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, May 18, 2022, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 485 of the Biden-Harris administration, 171 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska, Twitter, BobSeska underscore go. We're talking Trump crimes today. Uh, my guest is Greg Barrick. He's the author of a brand new book called Criminology on Trump. Greg's an emeritus professor of criminology and criminal justice at Eastern Michigan University and a 2017 Fulbright scholar. Oh, me too. Kidding, kidding, of course. In his book, Greg compares Trump to infamous criminals like Bugsy Siegel, John Gotti, and others. He defines Trump first and foremost as a con man who manipulates his people and tears down institutions all to protect and enrich his criminal enterprises. You should definitely get this book. I swear to God, no other volume I've read is as comprehensive or as insightful as this one. If you're into justice being served, go buy it right now. Link in the description to buy it, as always, under this episode at bobseska.com. Meantime, please help support this podcast by signing up for our bonus content at bobseskashow.com. I swear to God, I'm not sneaking into your mailbox and opening your credit card statements. Really, I'm not. But I don't need to read your mail to know you're probably paying a super high interest rate on your credit debt. That plus minimum payments will guarantee no end in sight for paying off those cards. So why not spare yourself the ongoing headache, the nightmare, the stress, and refinance your credit cards into a super low interest rate? Here's exactly how. With Lightstream, you can roll your cards into one low payment at a fixed rate as low as, oh my God, 4.98% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. That's way lower than most credit cards. It's lower than the average credit card rate that you're probably paying of over 19% APR. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 and there are absolutely no fees. And just for my listeners, you can apply now and get your special interest rate discount to save even more. The only way to get this this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Seska. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash C-E-S-C-A. That's my last name, don't you know? Link in the description, as always, under this episode at bobseska.com. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 4.98% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.50% auto 
auto-pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Seska for more information. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, here's me and Greg Barrick talking about Trump's crimes. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. Congratulations on the book. I was Thank you. Oh my god, I was so glad to read your use of the phrase con man to describe Trump. I mean, given his 40 plus years operating criminally in New York City, I'm perpetually amazed by how many Americans he successfully conned in all of this. 74 million voters, I don't need to tell you, 74 million voters who watched him descend that escalator in 2015 as though he then magically appeared on the scene right then and there without this long history. They were all suckered by this obvious con man, weren't they? Well, um, you know, at, yes, they, they, they were con there. I'm trying to think of, you know, how were they con then and now what they all know, and they're still willing to be conned. Yeah, right. right. They're still willing to participate in, in the grift. And that's what's constantly baffling to me is that he actually won over more voters in 2020 than he did in 2016. And uh, what are they missing? I mean, how are they so deluded that they don't see what we've all seen? Certainly what you've observed in your book going back to 1980, for God's sake. I mean, that's a long period of time to be operating this way in New York City and to fly under that kind of gigantic radar. I don't understand what they're missing, or maybe they just don't care, do they? Um, no, they, they, they do care. They just don't understand, and they're, hmm. you know, easily manipulated. But, you know, Donald's success um, in business and especially in politics um, is pretty much a product of his being able to successfully exploit the contradictions of the way in which the United States uh, governs its political and economic arrangements. Mm-hmm. And he's really become an agent uh, of what we like to call obscene, transgressive enjoyment. In other wow. words, whether he's vilifying immigrants, denigrating women, or trying to humiliate one of his enemies, um, as a both a real and an imagined mobster in chief, he, <laughs> Trump animates a primal order fantasy of a promised land in which the world of MAGA 
exists free from the threats of globalist, feminist, BLM, activist, political wokeness, and so on. So it's about him representing them in terms of who they see are their enemies, and he manipulates that. He doesn't believe any of these conspiracy theories for a moment. He doesn't believe for a moment that he lost the election. Right. I mean, you said uh, both real and pretend mobster to describe him. What's the pretend side? D- does he just watch too many episodes of The Sopranos and, and watch uh, no, Goodfellas no, on loop or what? No, I mean, he he does see himself as a boss. He does see himself uh, as, as an autocrat. Yeah. He, he, he has, you know, many things in practice with other mobsters um, in terms of his working relationships historically with various organized crime families, for, mm-hmm. for example. So we're not we're, when we talk about him as a mobster, um, many people don't really take that as a serious label or yeah, uh, yeah. of the man they see it as he's play acting or he's part of the sopranos mm-hmm. uh, that type of thing I see. but um he's 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 more um willing to basically use people uh to violate the law to lose the law uh, to to abuse the law and to bring together people to do the same thing for him. He has all these people doing his bidding just as mobsters have various politicals to do their, their bidding. So um, he, he's able to dupe people because of what he's promising that he's not going to deliver. He hasn't delivered anything that he's promised so far. Yeah. That yeah. really doesn't seem to matter. One of the things that I was really intrigued by in your book is how you discuss Trump using the law as a weapon, basically exploiting the law to get what he wants. As president, he exploited the system to, as you write in your book, to enrich himself and to force loyalty from the bureaucracy, obviously taking out anyone who was Hillary and not Trump and and replacing them with a loyalist. He was a monkey with a machine gun, wasn't he, in that role? A monkey with a machine gun. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think he's he's smarter than the monkey with the machine gun okay. because the monkey with the machine gun, if we're going to go there, uh-huh. would probably be firing the bullets. Right. And Donald is smart enough if the bullets are fired to have other people fire them. Get it. I mean, one of the open. In other words, he doesn't do the the mobster. Yeah. The the, the violence. He has other people do the violence, but okay. he's stoked the violence and he has people willing to go to the mat on his behalf uh, because they represent uh, someone who is challenging those folks who they think they're quote unquote being replaced by, which is really pretty absurd. And when he delegates like that, is that out of cowardice or just covering his own ass? Um well, it's out of convenience um, and it's covering his own ass. Um, and it's not necessarily that he's a coward. Um, it, it's that he doesn't really have to go, you know, face to face. When push comes to shove, he, he can have other people doing that. Yeah. His army of attorneys 
for example. I mean, why do they still go along with him, knowing his history of, of throwing even his closest allies under the bus as soon as the heat gets uh, too uh, close to his face? I mean, he's constantly doing this. I mean, we saw it happen with Steve Bannon, even. And uh, that's part of the process for him, where anyone who's close to him, they've got to know that they could be next on the chopping block. Why do they continue to do his bidding, knowing his history with just uh, scapegoating everyone around him? Okay, when, when, when there's two categories of people, are we talking about his attorneys or are we talking about other uh, people in his administration or affiliated with him, but not necessarily? I mean, the, the answers are different depending on who we're, we're, we're talking about. So are you asking about the attorneys? Why do the attorneys is where I thought you were coming from, for example? Yeah, that's, that's, know, that's of, certainly one. Yeah, that's certainly one category. In terms of, you know, three of his most uh, famous attorneys, Roy Cohn, Michael Cohen and Rudy Giuliani, all three of them have been misbarred, uh, uh, have been uh, barred from practicing law. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They've all been, you know, removed from, from the practice of law. So to a certain extent, the type of lawyers that will surround him themselves with him are those who really have no ethics and are only there for the power. There are other attorneys who think that they can work him and work for themselves at the same time. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily prove to be the case as he's gone through literally dozens of attorneys, uh, you know, in the last uh, two decades. Right, right, right. You know, one of the great ironies of the Trump uh, message is that he positions himself as the antidote to the swamp, right? And it's so glaringly obvious that he's the swamp, right? His entire M.O. is to distract from the fact that he is actually the real swamp in all of this. Yes, there's a ton of white-collar crime in Washington, D.C., but there's no bigger white-collar criminal than Donald Trump, is there? Right. I mean, he took the, the, the swamp and expanded it into an ocean. Okay? <laughs> right. And, and, and he basically... Um, you know, dismantled uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, the mm -hmm. Consumer uh, Financial Protection Bureau, Health and Human Services, whatever they could do to reduce the money spent and to undermine those practices, uh, those policies, he, he, he did. Very, very destructive. Um, but was able to do that, was able to basically stuff those cabinets with people that were anti-environment, anti-regulation, yeah. anti-science, anti-consumer. He put those people in place. He also put people in place. Uh, the only ones that really weren't hacks were the people he put in place from Wall Street, <laughs> yeah. such as, you know, former Goldman Sachs mm -hmm. players. Um, that, that were in his administration. And many people, uh, folks are not aware, uh, that came to his cabinet, such as Tillerson, um, all had a background in shell companies. Yeah, They all had worked and operated shell companies, both within and without the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, 
that's, and you know, what are shell companies? There are ways in which you can avoid taxes and there are ways in which you can legally launder money. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not a bank and if what's you're a bank, it's not legal, but if you're not a bank, um, you can do it. And that's one of the problems, you know, here in the United States is we need to outlaw those companies. Yeah. Yeah. And as you're going through these things, Greg, I can't help but to think that flooding the zone with horseshit 24 seven for the four years of his presidency was uh, strategic insofar as it prevented any real investigation into anything but the most recent thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where it's like we're we're really focused on the insurrection, and that's extremely important. But there were so many other things throughout his four year term that have just fallen through the cracks that would otherwise have been big deals uh, with any other president. Um, some of those things have been settled. Yeah. Um, Others have, as you say, dissolved, mm -hmm. uh, and many of those are still pending, and, and the verdict is out, such as the state of New York uh, and the attorney general. Uh, you know, that case seems to be very much alive, at least as a civil case, yeah. and it could become a criminal case. Although at the moment, uh, I think we're moving toward uh, the attorney general of the United States uh, prosecuting uh, uh, Donald and his associates mm -hmm. uh, for uh, conspiracy to uh, yeah. overturn the election. Uh, insurrection prosecution is coming. People didn't think yeah. it was coming for a long time, but, mm -hmm. but I'm willing to say it will happen. Yeah, I'd like to assume Merrick Garland is being super careful about any probe directly into Trump because the political nature of it, where it's really never been done. No subsequent administration has actively investigated the previous uh, president. Uh, so uh, any probe directly into Trump related to January 6th uh, has got to be super duper uh, uh, kosher, completely on the level. But should we be alarmed that nothing's leaked along those lines? I mean, I'm kind of with you on this. I'm just what I keep figuring is there's always leaks when something like this comes up. In fact, we heard. Well, about I mean, leaks, you know, can be accommodated and leaks can be suppressed. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of if Garland is doing things yeah. and if he's investigating things, that has to be on the, the QT. Mm -hmm. And if he has a, a jury that he's speaking with, that also has to be, you know, not, you know, divulged to the public. Yeah. Whereas the select committee, it can divulge everything mm -hmm. to the public. And part of the reason that they are not turning over the 100,000 transcripts of documents that they have yet is because they don't want to muddy the two and they don't want to jeopardize what he's doing, even though they're asking for it and they're moving in that direction. I believe that they will get everything that the select committee finds, but they won't get it until the select committee is finished. Well, and it looks like the DOJ has finally impaneled a grand jury to investigate Trump's document theft. This is unequivocally good news for a number of reasons, obviously, but primarily it illustrates exactly how Trump exploited the presidency to enrich himself. I, I get the sense 
And uh, I have another whole thing about, you know, not giving Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt. But I have this sense that uh, this document theft was deliberate. I think he planned to sell copies (laughs) to win over favor. In In fact, he may have already done that. But this is an example of how we heard about something that's coming from DOJ as far as an investigation directly into Donald Trump's actions. And it happened to have leaked out, but yet we haven't heard anything along the lines of a January 6th investigation uh, out of DOJ that is squarely aimed at Donald Trump. So there is a disparity there. Yeah. Well, they're 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 asking for all this information. Garland has asked for the transcripts that's going to all of his soldiers. That's going Mm -hmm. to his his fixers. That's going to his his various uh, hit people, but it's also going to Donald. So that's an indication. And that was supposedly a leak because when did you and I learn about that? I think it was two days ago. Yeah. But when did the select committee learn about it? Back mm. in April uh, when yeah. it was first put to them. So, it, you know, it's also, you know, to leak the fact that you're asking for something is very different than to leak what you have found from a grand jury investigation. So we know they're doing a grand jury investigation. We don't have any sense that that's been formed or created yet uh, for uh, January 6th. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it doesn't mean that they're not working toward that. You know, they've built their, 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 their prosecution first on the people who invaded the Capitol then they're moving to the people who were organizing that invasion. Mm-hmm. And then they'll move to the people who were organizing it up to the Trump administration. So as they build their case sort of from the bottom up, they're not at the point of creating the grand jury to begin talking to these people. Uh, and, they may not even do that until they get all the information and sift through it from the select panel, because then they know what the people are who they're going to talk with know or what they, they know already a lot more about those people. They can also decide which of those people they want to subpoena and, and question. So there's like a team tag Oh, yeah, yeah. And given the fact that we don't know a whole lot of details, what's your sense, at least at this point, in terms of where that grand jury investigation is going to land? Do you think that the document theft has legs, that this thing is going to actually stick to the wall, or is it just going to be something that's going to kind of come and go and and fall Um, apart? I I don't know because I don't have any particulars. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't have any, you know, A, I'm, I will tell you I'm a criminologist. I'm not a lawyer, uh, although I pretend to be one sometimes. <laughs> but um, in, in terms of that, you know, don't have the particulars, you know, what were those actual documents? How did they get there? I'm surprised, like you are, that they all were returned. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he wanted to do with them. Uh, did he want to make money? Did he want to use it for leverage? Uh, who knows? I don't know what that content is. And, uh, 
Well, you know, we don't know the content of those documents. I really. mean, is there something from his criminal past uh, that would indicate what he might have done with these documents? I mean, I have this thing, and I mentioned it a second ago. I've operated under the assumption that Trump is guilty until proven innocent, that we should never give him the benefit of the doubt on anything since he's never once earned that benefit of the doubt. But when I hear that Donald Trump walked away with 15 boxes of documents, uh, many of the documents, top secret documents, my assumption is always to go to, oh, well, yes, of course, he's doing something to enrich himself, to enrich his family business, to uh, do a quid pro quo, maybe as far as his next campaign for president, which is, as far as I'm concerned, that's already uh, carved in stone. Um, so th- I think that's I mean, where no, my curiosity I, I, comes I from. I tend to agree with you. Yeah, you yeah. Know, those are reasonable things to speculate and, and, and to think. Uh, to me, uh, you asked, has he have a history of digging up information mm-hmm. on people? Yeah. You bet he does. Oh, yeah. And that's how he quiets people from speaking. Mm-hmm. So it may be that this isn't a quid pro quo and this isn't making money, but this is basically I have something on you, maybe even Biden yeah, or Hunter Biden for well, all we know. We have photographs of him in the process of doing something very similar, and that was the first visit by Lavrov and Kislyak to the Oval Office, where there were no American officials in the room at the time. There were some Russian officials and probably some listening devices (laughs) carried by those Russian officials. I mean, obviously, I'm speculating, but that was an occasion where he, to curry favor with the Russians, handed over top-secret information about Israel to uh, both Kislyak and Lavrov in that setting. So I I do recall those photos of him sharing the information. (laughs) I didn't know that. I don't recall him actually turning it over, but he was sharing it with them yeah you know did they take pictures of it did they just read it or did he give them a copy on a xerox copy on the way home yeah exactly i i think from the reporting from what i remember it was more of a verbal thing like here's what's happening with i i forget exactly the details of it had something to do with israel and uh bases there and I don't think without any prompting. I think he just was like, oh, yes, I've got this information. You might be interested to know something about this because of Syria, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how it all went down. So, the, I, I mean, yeah. like a kid in the candy store, he had a couple <laughs> of, you know, things of candy. And he, yeah. and he sort of wanted he couldn't resist, you know, showing what he had and mm-hmm. maybe sharing some of it. <laughs> kid in a candy store or monkey with a machine gun. How about that? Monkey with a machine gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, one of the, uh, open questions I have from his time as uh, time in office is whether he used his, and this is what, you know what, this is one of those things that may have fallen through the cracks. I don't think we ever got a adequate answer as to what all of this was about, but I noticed that while he was president, he used that trade war that he was engaged in with China that it was sort of an unnecessary, lopsided, awkward trade war that really didn't go anywhere. But I tell you one thing it did. It destabilized the stock market, destabilized the financial markets. Um, and you can chart it. You can look at the graph and see where that ridiculous trade war with China started and the trajectory of the stock market. And there were some correlations there between his blurts about the trade war and 
and how the stock market behaved the next day. And so I've been perpetually curious, some would say paranoid, about whether he was doing that deliberately and then either profiting himself or handing off the information, some insider information to some of his allies, co-conspirators, etc., in terms of enriching themselves off of that trade war and the destabilization of the stock market. You see where I'm going with this? I, oh, I see exactly yeah. where, you're, where, where you're going at it. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very possible that, you know, Congress has uh, access to what's going on in terms of our policies yeah. and when they're, they're affecting stocks, you know, they have inside information, mm -hmm. they can buy and sell accordingly. So in, in a sense, he would be playing into a system that already is up and running. So talk about uh, kind of what he was up to in Manhattan for all those years where he would engage in kind of pump and dump scams. Uh, there's been credible reporting in the New York Times about Donald Trump engaging in green mailing where he would manipulate stocks using the press and uh, sort of like his own version of a pump and dump. And to me, that's one of the things. When I started noticing these correlations between his trade war and the action of the stock markets, I went right back to, oh, oh, pump and dump scans when he was in New York, green mailing when he was in New York. It, it, talk about that. Talk about how Donald Trump spent his time as a, you know, as a businessman in New York, as a, as a real estate tycoon, manipulating the stock market. I can't honestly talk at, at length about that. I'm, I'm aware of it mostly through Michael Cohen. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. what he's had to say about how he's manipulated his popularity, his votes, his stock markets. Um, Cohen would be would be a better source of that. Mm -hmm. To me, where Donald has you know performed, you know, as as a, a you know a, he he's conquered kleptocrats. He has been a master of finding uh, dirty money and laundering it. Yeah. Uh, he has some 3,000 properties. 20% of those properties are owned by shell companies. So we don't know where the money came from and we don't know who owns it. Though that's a, a game that, that, that he could, uh, you know, play out very well. Um, so in, 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 uh, operating sums of money outside of the stock that's that's too that, that's much more difficult to control yeah yeah is money laundering his uh weapon of choice is that the thing that he engaged in the most if you were to pinpoint like his, his most active series of crimes it would be some form of money laundering um, money laundering would be up there. The other would be basically transferring uh, wealth from one generation to the next generation. So his his father, Fred Sr., transferred his wealth to the children to avoid his paying taxes and to avoid their paying taxes. And 
they created uh, scams whereby they had these fictitious companies that were providing services uh, to Trump organization and they were Trump management and there wasn't anything really going on there. He also you know, moved his businesses, meaning uh, senior to, to uh, Donald and Donald is doing the same with at least three of his, his own children. So that that's a way in which, uh, they're able to make money. Most of their businesses and their golf courses have lost hundreds of millions of dollars, yet they keep keep on ticking. Uh, they keep on ticking because they have access to other streams of cash. Since becoming the president um, and after becoming the president, his PACs, his his scams for raising money. <laughs> yeah. His big steal has already generated about 125 million dollars uh, in in the, in the past 12 months. That's almost that's more than twice what the Republican Party has raised. So that's his best scheme or scam to date. The only other income that he's really had uh, was off of The Apprentice where he made a lot of bucks in The Apprentice, you know, hundreds of millions, and in terms of brand value, even more. So that was his most lucrative thing was was the Celebrity Apprentice show. He was about to fail, though. I mean, he was about to fail again spectacularly as a, you know, his his business, his uh, reputation, and so on, uh, right before The Apprentice came along, right before Mark Burnett sort of groomed him and created what we recognize as the modern version of Trump. Uh, that was doesn't say too much uh, as far as uh, positive things about his business acumen because he's not he's not a great businessman, is he? He's he's basically a, a crook who you know kind of knows how to you know which buttons to push in the business world to keep himself looking legit, but there's nothing legit about him, is there? Um, well, I, I, I would argue he runs a criminal enterprise, yeah. <laughs> which is not legitimate, through a legitimate uh, uh, Trump organization, yeah. Incorporated. So what he's doing is he's operating legally and illegally at the same time. This is why RICO is where we need to go mm-hmm. with him. Yeah, along those lines, I'm still baffled by Alvin Bragg dropping New York City's grand jury investigation into Trump's racketeering. I mean, racketeering was on the table as far as that goes, right? right? Am I right on that? Yeah, right. Is this an example of how deep Trump's criminality has seeped into New York government, or well, it's it's how deep his lawlessness uh, may be in 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 political ways in which. He hasn't been prosecuted several times in the state of New York. And we all thought for sure that, you know, he was going to be prosecuted by Manhattan. And then, you know, Bragg sort of pulled the the rug out from everyone Mm -hmm. and, you know, said the case was over and the the real horses in that uh, investigation, they they resigned. and when the, the pressure came back on him, his 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 feeble response, in my view, was that he did not want to rely on Michael Cohen 
to be his star witness. Mm -hmm. Well, if you look at racketeers and if you look at uh, Rico as applied to organized criminals, it's always an underboss. It's always a fixer. It's always a second or third person in control who flips and becomes the witness. So really, you didn't want Michael Cohen? I think he's a pretty great witness to have on your side. After all, he's stripped himself naked. Everybody knows everything about this man. He's testified before Congress. Um, He may be a liar, but, and he may be a cheat. He certainly was. And then he had a born again moment when Trump threw him under the bus, Mm -hmm. but Nonetheless, um, I think he'd make a fine witness. And I think he knows, if anyone knows, where the bodies are buried. All right, we'll get back to Greg here in just a second. The Patreon app for your smartphone is absolutely the best way to stay up to date with new episodes of The Bob Seska Show, and it's the best way to listen. Every time there's a new episode, you're going to get an automatic alert on your phone, notifications for the free shows on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and notifications for the Friday After Party and the Shadow Docket shows, too. You can keep up to date on everything. You can listen at home or in the car with a couple of swipes, and you can join our community of listeners in the comments under each episode. Oh, and you can manage your subscriptions, too, without ever sitting down at a computer. Subscribe for as little as $1 a month at bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. Then download the Patreon app from the App Store onto your phone. Again, that's bobseskashow.com. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska plays more music. Should we be scratching our head as to uh, whether someone got to Alvin Bragg and manipulated him or paid him off or did something to get him to drop this case? Or does it seem like it's on the level to you? It, it, It seems strange. I just think it would be very difficult to buy this man or to, you know, you know, maybe he just didn't want to take the chance of losing. A yeah. case yeah but it, it, it's strange uh it, it's strange um fortunately there are several other pending cases and more importantly there's this ultimate surrection case a sedition case oh yeah yeah i mean will Fonnie willis have any success in fulton county georgia that seems like a a, a, a distinct possibility that she will actually be successful given the recording of Donald Trump actually asking for 11,000 votes. Uh, what's your take on Fonnie Willis and whether uh, she'll um, have success? 
Well, it'll be up to, you know, her grand jury and what they find from, I guess she had about an equal number of cooperating witnesses and non-cooperating witnesses. So, you know, we, we would think that this would be an open and shut case, but we need to know what those other witnesses have to say. Seems like there was a lot of witnesses. You and I, we all, you know, heard the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody heard the conversation. If someone put a gun to your head and said, okay, Greg, you got to make a call on this one. Where do you think it's going to land? So where, where do you think this particular investigation is going to end up? Uh, well, if, settling? if someone's putting a gun to my head, then I'll say um, he'll be prosecuted. Oh, interesting. And and what's your primary reasoning for that? Oh, just just because um, you know, we have the top official in the state, Raffenberg, yeah. who um was at the other end of this phone call. There are many witnesses. We understand the the intent. I mean, what is the justification or the excuse for him being on the phone? Yeah. What is he doing there? What is Giuliani doing there? What is Lindsey Graham having conversations? All of these people are, you know, part of this conspiracy to steal the election. It's all, you know, stealing it in Georgia, in Michigan, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, all of these efforts on their part, you know, when they didn't materialize, you had to go after Pence and the count at the Capitol. It's all connected. Do you think Donald Trump is aware to an extent that the news media in this country is more willing to bend their reporting toward normalcy rather than calling out a sitting president or an ex-president for being the criminal that he is? I mean, it seems like we've fallen a long way from the 1970s and Woodward and Bernstein and and Ben Bradley, who were able to call this out. But we get to now, and the tendency, more often than not, is, well, it's just another presidency, and steady as she goes, boys will be boys, let's move on to the next thing. Uh What's the um, what's the what are we what are we appears, lost? It here? appears that the news isn't very 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 tough on, <laughs> on Donald. Well, if that's what you're yeah. what, if that's what you're asking is if and does Donald know? Donald is fully aware. Donald, you know, plays the media much better than the media plays Donald. Yeah, he's absolutely exploiting gaps in the press just the way he exploits gaps in the law. And in fact, one of the things that we've observed uh, through great pain and anguish over the last uh, four years, over the previous four years, is that anything that wasn't written down in the law, Donald Trump disregarded. So, so much of the American presidency is guided and sculpted by tradition unwritten rules of decorum and behavior going all the way back to George Washington and relinquishing his military commission. And Donald Trump sees those things, those unwritten rules as being entirely irrelevant. In fact, he sees a lot of the actual rules as being irrelevant too, but the ones that are also knows that, that, you know, the written, the unwritten rules are not relevant. Mm -hmm. The written rules may or may not be relevant. What Donald knows is all of those rules are negotiable. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, you can have those rules 
play out one way or those rules can play out another way or you can change those rules. What are we doing right now? We, meaning what are the Republicans doing in 26 states? They're changing the rules of an election so that should he run again and not be encumbered with a criminal prosecution or should they not prosecute him soon enough and he can delay that case until 2029, whether he wins or loses, the Republicans, if they have their way, are planning to steal and give him the election, whether he wins or loses next time. Would you consider yourself to be an adherent in terms of uh, uh, let justice be done, though the heavens fall? Because, I mean, one of the things I hear counterpointing the idea of investigating Donald Trump is, oh, well, yes, as soon as the Republicans get into office, they're just going to retaliate by investigating the Democrats, the Democratic leadership, Joe Biden, uh, whoever. Is that Should that even be a concern or should we just plow forward and make sure that the rule of law remains intact? Well, the only way the rule of law is going to remain intact, and I'm not sure so far it is intact, <laughs> it's only going to remain intact if they go forward. Yeah, yeah. And whether or not the Republicans are going to do tit for tat, of course they will attempt to do something if they can. Mm -hmm. But just as you know, a mixed set of primaries right now with with Trump. If it goes to the point where Trump begins to lose his power, they'll turn on him as quick as they turn for him and against him and for him and against him. So the reality is, if Merrick Garland goes after these folks, you've got people like Jim Jordan who are going to be on that list of folks. They're not going to be in Congress. Mm -hmm. All of these people who they go after are no longer going to be in Congress. And as soon as you break into that, they're all going to run for the hills and say, oh, it's time to reform the Republican Party. You know, we were lost, <laughs> but, you know, now we're found. I mean, some, you know, rhetoric like that. I found this fascinating, too, in your book. You also write about how Trump's psychology shouldn't overshadow his criminality. It seems like this... Uh, outward madness that we see that we observe from Donald Trump is really just what we always see when someone's got something to hide, scrambling to stay one step ahead of his lies and one step ahead of the scam. It's like watching Walter White or Saul Goodman from Better Call Saul lying their way out of one predicament after another, therefore creating all new predicaments. And so we look at that from the outside, not necessarily seeing what's happening underneath. And we go, oh, well, yes, clearly he's nuts. But he's not that nuts, is he? Um, he he he's ill. He has a <laughs> lot of mental problems, but yeah. he's a total rational actor. Right. Yeah. And he is not, to many people's uh, uh, belief, deceiving himself. He is deceiving others. He's not self-deceived for a moment. All you have to do is ask the people around him who are close to him. If people really thought he was, you know, believing this garbage, they would have tied him up, locked him down and invoked the 25th Amendment a long time ago. <laughs> After all, everybody was talking about it from his first day in office to his last day in office. Yeah. But they never did anything, did they? Mm -mm. No, no. And I think he was aware that those kinds of guardrails would not necessarily be employed because they 
honestly hadn't been employed up until that point. So why start now? Uh, that uh, once again, the the arc of uh, Washington D.C. Uh, bends toward normalcy. The craving of uh, people who operate in that town uh, always will assume that things are more or less normal, and that this is just a you know sort of a glitch, a hiccup along the way. So therefore, in, ter- yeah. in terms of human nature, I don't yeah. think it's you know something that that is unique to Washington. I think we as human beings all want to go back to normalcy. We all want to go back to a system where we don't have political insanity as we do today. I mean, Mm -hmm. who doesn't want to escape that insanity? Who doesn't want to pretend the pandemic is over when it's not over? Yeah, We all want normalcy. What's the uh, criminologist view in terms of how he handled the pandemic. What was his motivation in terms of downplaying the nature of the pandemic, the threat of the pandemic, and eventually when we get to about this point in time in 2020, uh, just lining up against any sort of rational protocol to, uh, to mitigate the effects of the pandemic. Was there something that we were missing criminally in, in that enterprise or was that well, more it, of a, it, I a mean, politics I mean, thing? The, the consequences, the harm, the hundreds of thousands of lost lives unnecessarily because of his policy, because of his modeling behavior, because of the anti-scientific approach, all of that is criminal. Yeah. Will we go after him for that? No. How many deaths are on his hands? Mm-hmm. Many, many, hundreds of thousands of deaths are on his hands. But most people don't even think in those terms, although uh, some, some do. So uh, t- it, there was another point that you were making that I'm trying to come back to. Um, yeah, it had well, about uh, whether or not his motives behind. Uh, oh, his motives it. were yeah. his motives were that the pandemic, if we shut down, if we let you know, it's going to kill the economy. It's yeah. going to damper his chances of winning the election. Uh, so he was worried about the stock market yep. in relationship to a pandemic. So if there was no pandemic or if he could play it down, if he could act as oh, it's business as usual, um, he thought that was better for his, his survival. I, I have this notion, you know, and I'm, you know, that had he actually done the right thing, the scientific thing. Had he been on top of it from day one, he could have waltzed into the the White House. Do you think, obviously, I haven't seen any investigations along these lines. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of reporting either, but this goes back to whether or not we want to give him the benefit of the doubt. What Was he uh, greasing palms as far as hydroxychloroquine and some of these, uh, I don't know what you would call them, bro science solutions to the pandemic along the way, where he was really latching on to, you know, specific brand names. Was there anything 
along those lines that you would see as something he might do to enrich himself. Maybe he was talking about hydroxychloroquine because he was maybe invested in that, or maybe someone, I forget the pharmaceutical that creates it, but uh, did they come to him and say, yeah, we'd really like you to push hydroxychloroquine. It might be a solution. And then he said, well, what, what do I get in return? Some sort of quid pro quo. Is that something that we should kind of assume well, or what? I, 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 I wouldn't assume that he, he, he was necessarily doing that. I mean, if he wanted to make money, uh, it would have been to the big companies that were coming up with the vaccine and, you know, yeah. getting a piece yeah. of the action for which one gets, gets approved first. But, but I don't you know, believe any of those things were going on. But I think it's much more telling. Uh, CNN, I believe, did that special last year with the former CDC people uh, who worked for for him and how uh, Dr. Burr, she t- you know, all of the lies and all of the things that she had to endure and and you know, so we, we get more of a sense of of what he was doing in basically pressuring uh, the CDC and to downplay the death figures. Those were things that he was doing, um, you know, yeah. dishonestly or illegally. In your estimation, and this is a big time loaded question, so forgive me in advance, but uh, in your estimation, what's his biggest, most heinous crime? And this could be limited. uh, This doesn't have to be limited to his presidency. Let's go back to, you know, we go back to the 80s on this. What's the worst thing Donald Trump has ever done in violation of the law? I don't know that he, you know, that he has a worse thing. And I don't think that anything uh remotely comes close to the insurrection to sedition to basically trying to bring down this democratic republic Mm -hmm. to me all of his other crimes um don't have the same consequences for the number of people that his other activities haven't affected that many people yeah because he's really a small time operator he only has you know a few thousand employees and only about a hundred make more than a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year (laughs) so he really doesn't have this 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 large operation that's that's impacting the world of business yeah he's made a big impact in the world of politics he's virtually made no impact in the world of business. And along those lines, what would be the single reform you'd like to see passed by Congress, uh, something that you'd absolutely endorse to stop him again? Like, what's the thing that we need to do? Uh, Let's assume that he runs again, and let's assume that America is just uh, nuts enough to elect him to become president again. Prior to that, is there anything that you would push for? Like, like you had a chance to have one thing pass through Congress to rein in the power of the presidency with Donald Trump in mind. What would that one thing be? What would you push for? I'm not sure that you you you, you can rein in something in terms of the presidency to to stop him from doing what 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 he's been doing i mean structurally there are many things we need to do we need to get rid of the electoral college Mm -hmm. we need to get rid of citizens uh, united Uh, these are things that are allowing money to run 
the United States. Um, so it, it's more in terms of our undemocratic electoral system. I am, you know, that's that's something we can, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that would be where where I would where I would start. I would also um, talk about um, those shell companies again. Yeah, and as we said before, it's those loopholes in the system that are maybe Donald Trump's best ally. <laughs> and I feel like you gotta gotta close some of those loopholes, and, and the electoral college is a significant one, I, I believe, as far as uh, right. I, don't, I yeah. you know that's more than a loophole. That's that's uh, you know, <laughs> right. that's just a totally undemocratic system. I mean, think of the last you know six elections, Republicans have lost by 40 million votes, yet they've decided who's in the White White House, uh, who's in the Supreme Court. You know, they have had a tremendous impact as a minority party. Well, the book is called Criminology on Trump. Link in the description under this episode at bobseska.com to buy the book. And you can follow Greg on Twitter. That's at Greg Barrick. There's two G's in there. Don't forget that. Uh, thank you so much, Professor, for your time today. And uh, good luck with this book. This is a, an outstanding piece of work and something I think we should all read uh, f- from strictly pr- the perspective of continuing to work toward uh, holding Donald Trump accountable for a lifetime of crimes, but I guess we're going to have to settle for the most recent ones. <laughs> thank you. Thank, well, thank you, anyway, you very for your time. much, Bob, for having me today. I enjoyed it. I appreciate your time. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.